first of all, what song? What do you that, want, Kanye no. West, Tom? What do you want, the Pogues? I mean, what what do you want? You know? The Who? I mean, the Who? I the mean, who? What, what is the I the want Pogues. the Who. Huh? I want the Who, yeah. yeah. And then we're going to have to be sued by the Who. <laughs> no, you. Yeah, you'll be. <laughs> it's a difference. Hold on. What, what, you, that was the, first of all, that was the opening of your song, Panhandler. Right. You knew that? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I always liked uh, the opening to it. And it I, I do, well. I do too. I like that song. Steve, are you trying to push a musical career? No, I'm not. It's but it's. I didn't it's know it was the opening song. Solo. I agree. If With we were doing this in the Great Depression during the Dust Bowl, I think that would be a great intro. <laughs> Tom, I, I have to pull this again. You have not played the subway for 30 years. But that I has have, nothing to do. No, with but me. I know what people like. I'm a New Yorker. I played in New York. Black people like it. Chinese people I, like it. White people like <laughs> it. Jewish people like it. And I'm going to insist. I feel that I I have the authority, the creative authority, and the the experience as a subway musician to say, hey, this works for me. And I think it will work for New Yorkers. Steve, okay, but it doesn't go with the whole theme of local politics at all. I mean, it's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's country. It's a country sounding song, right? It's folky. It's folky. Country yeah. folk is country. Yeah, but folk is in in New York City. Folk is like a big thing. Folk actually comes from New York. I agreed in the nineteen sixties. Well, all right. So what are you saying, Tom? It should be rap. <laughs> no. no. Give me an alternative. I, I don't like listen to most podcasts, and I'm not saying that we have to be like most podcasts, but like it's like a very. It's very in. Anodyne. It's just like a very short little, you know, musical riff. It doesn't really have that sort. I mean, you're bringing a lot of character to it with, and the character is very, yeah, folk country, which doesn't really reflect what we're doing. And and it's no critique of your music. You know, I like your music. I disagree with you. I disagree. I beg to disagree. You know. I mean, give me, should it be reggae? Should it be the, the riff to Mulatto Woman with more of a push beat? I mean, tell me the rhythm. I don't think it tell should me be the, the acoustic guitar. In the... I mean, what what kind of rhythm are you, should it be? Are you getting this? Yes, this is all recording. No, but give me another. All right, I, give me an alternative. I say we keep it until you give me an alternative. Okay, fine, fine. That's and fair. I got to agree to the alternative. The same way you're critiquing oh. me, I can critique that alternative. I'm you're not like, critiquing this you. This doesn't work. I'm not I like the song, but I don't like the pokes for this, you know, or whatever not, you like. I would think the Who pokes. Who are the pokes? Tom loves the pokes. So yeah, but I would never not. suggest that the pokes should be the intro music to a podcast about New York City politics. All right. Well, I like a lot of music, and a lot of music would not work for the intro to a Brooklyn and Queens politics blog, uh, podcast. So right, let me think about it, and if you if you insist, which you are insisting, yes. that the song Panhandler be used as the intro. Well, I, I'm a little bit upset that you even mentioned the song. Why? Because Kelly wouldn't have known the song. It's a good little riff. The fact that it's a risk, and aren't there still panhandlers in New York City? Oh, every day. Those are homeless people. The, uh, Isn't yes. there pan? Maybe I should sing a verse. Some people work inside all day, ain't nothing wrong with that. I just roam the city wide, collecting coins in my cap. 
I'm just a panhandler, I'm just a panhandler, and I guess I'll panhandle till the day I die. Don't work for a living, just ask it and I get Brother, can you spare me some coin? Welcome to Stephen Town Down Home Brooklyn <laughs> Politics Podcast. It's coming right to you from well, Mobile, Alabama. I don't know how many panhandlers are in Mobile, <laughs> that's exactly, Alabama. That's exactly how it should go. That's kind of how I feel. Like, how do you do by Jimmy Dean Sauce. Well, I like <laughs> it. I'm sorry. I like it. I like the song. I like it, Steve. It's not that. And also, I didn't know it was a part of a song. I was deceived. No, that's that's what I'm saying. For Tom to do that, it colors it. It colors it. No, because you liked it when you heard it. No, you actually, might have thought actually, it was urban, no, but, no, I disagree. Because Panhandler is the most relevant part of that, of that song for our podcast. Actually, like that is an urban theme. Maybe you should beatbox Panhandler. Oh gosh, don't do that. No, I'm not gonna. I can't do that. Mm-mm. Well, let's keep it for now. Okay, let's we'll go keep... on to the thing. Oh, All right. Everything saved. I got it. We'll keep it for now. All right. An original by Stephen Witt. <laughs> I didn't even notice you had, you have that harmonica thing. Did you make that? No, I bought it. Uh, All right. Today, we're recording episode five of Uncorrect New York. I'm Kelly Mena. I'm Stephen Witt. And I'm Tom Rosati. Also, Stephen Witt slash a street musician. Slash potential opening of our song. I was a street musician in New York for over 20 years, and I started my journalism career as a street musician. People say, how do you start it? I went around, I wrote the Street Singers Beat for East Coast Rocker and Downtown Magazine, and I've interviewed over 350 street and subway musicians in New York City over seven years. That's it? No, I'm kidding. No, and that's how I got into journalism. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Alrighty, this week has been an intense one for New York City. A lot of broken hearts yesterday on Valentine's Day. Amazon pulled out of uh, Long Island City. Mixed reviews on this between us. I think that there could have been a better deal in my own opinion, but I don't think the deal that was brokered was the best one for the city. You guys can give your opinion and we'll go from there. What are you thinking, Tom? Uh, I think it's a disaster. Why is that? Yeah, why is that? I want to hear too. Um, because it's it was a huge deal. I think that it would have brought enormous prosperity to the city. I think there were some problems with the deal, no question. I think that Amazon has issues as a company. Uh, but on a whole, the positives far outweighed the benefit, the negatives, and that the deal falling apart can be linked directly to the actions of a very f- small minority who took very concrete actions to enforce or create a power play to try to either block the deal or make it extremely hard for Amazon. And I don't blame Amazon for leaving. You, you don't think that they could have, um, cause Amazon's kind of like, it was kind of a David, David kind of, against Goliath because Amazon has billions of dollars. You don't think that they could have somehow been like, we don't care what the local community says and like, let's just keep on pushing and pushing and pushing. I think that... Because there is... Oh, sorry to cut you off before you go. There were there are a lot of community people there that were like, no, we want it to come. So it, just to be clear, 
the people that it was, it has always been a mixed reaction. There's people that really did want Amazon to come that were in Long Island City, business owners, longtime residents. And then there were other people on the other side. So you don't think that maybe it would have been like, okay, we don't like it right now, but once they come, they might change our, our opinions. So you don't think that they were strong enough to overcome kind of those sentiments? Because it was a split decision. It was never like, we all disagree with this. Are you asking, do I think that Amazon should have looked further down the road to say this this dissent or this uh, anti-Amazon activity will die down yes. and that yeah. they should have stayed yes. in a little bit longer? Yeah. Um, you know, when you do a project like this, one of the line items and one of the issues that you have to think about is is politics and law and government and how that's going to affect your bottom line. So, you know, the most extreme example is if you're, you know, going to do business in, say, uh, a country around the world and, there, you know, if there's political instability, you may not want to make huge infrastructure investments because if someone, if the, if the you know, the leader who is approving this project has a good Look chance of Venezuela being... Venezuela and China well, well, yeah, like, so say if you were going to make an investment in Venezuela and, and you're, you know, you don't know what's going on, probably no one's making investments in Venezuela right now because of the political instability. You can't, you can't fund large mm -hmm. development projects over the course of 10, 20 years there because it could change, you know, at any moment. And I think Amazon saw that the resistance was not just community activism, but concrete steps being taken by the government, which it thought was supporting it, to potentially block the deal. And I'm speaking specifically of the state senate's um, appointment of Gennaris to the PACB, which could have blocked the deal. Uh, not, not to cut you off, but a lot of city council seats are up for re-election next year. Right. So the dissent that they're getting right now, potentially somebody could have come in and been like, I support Amazon. Yeah, but they went to the city council and nobody stuck up for them. Well, I think they, no, no, I'm saying like the new people that could, that candidate candidates that could pop out of nowhere could be like, no, I'm one of those people that supports Amazon. And if you vote for me, I'm going to vote to keep Amazon here. And then Amazon would have had one ally. And who knows who else could have, you know, been in their support in their corner, you know. I think that, and I've been pro-development. I've been for Atlantic Yards. Anybody who's read my work, I'm normally 100% pro-development. Okay. I think it's always needed. I think in this case, one, Jeff Bezos showed he's got like a little nub of a penis. <laughs> you know? I mean, he, he really, for a guy that's a trillionaire, he's got no balls. Well, that's you know? how I feel. I feel like they pulled yeah. out too soon. Like you got millions and millions of jobs. <laughs> There's a lot of sexual innuendo <laughs> pulled out before got the city pregnant. <laughs> no, I, I mean, what, you know, what um saying though right mm -hmm. <laughs> that sounded a little bit no better, it's but, fine it's fine all right but um i think that when i first covered it i was invited when the deal first went down to long island city with a lot of local media correct um they had edc there they had someone from empire state well if you don't know what the edc uh, economic uh, development, development corporation uh, they decide all of the economic plans that new york city, city under uh, that new york city undertakes and then they had empire state development that decides for the state right then they had someone from the mayor's office engagement. They had someone from the state's office of engagement and they had us all around. They did a PowerPoint presentation. Everybody answered a question. They came to me. I'm like, am, am I missing somewhere? Somebody from Amazon. I mean, I did Forest City Ratner. It's like send a janitor, send somebody, call him a vice president. But to, to just like hold a contest, 
you know, around the country and then make like we decided on you and they weren't present. They weren't present. They should have had someone there. I remember when it happened. I'm like, this is funny. You know, when Ratner did the Forest City thing, they always had a representative. Granted, it wasn't Bruce Ratner. He'd have a little lackey, but that's what you do. You send in a lackey or whoever. I didn't expect Jeff Bezos. I expected like the vice president for development yeah, or yeah. blah, blah, Or blah. like new city ventures or something. Yeah, and it was nothing. And it, it to me, that was a red flag. That was a red flag. You know, you can't. I think that's insignificant to the amount of jobs that was. That is true. Like, yes, Amazon has issues and they and there's no question that they have a tainted past when it comes to several different things, um, specifically the relationship with Seattle and, you know, like most big companies in a, in a, in a you know, say two or three company town, I mean, they, they throw their weight around. Right. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. So sir. I don't think they would have been able to do that in New York City. And one of the things and one of the objections I have to the way that the elected officials acted is that they actually could have got what they wanted if they had been more receptive to the deal. I think uh, I'm reading from um, this article by Will Bretterman um, from Cranes, New York. He quotes uh, the head of the 32BJ, one of the largest unions in the city, who was extremely upset that this deal fell, fell apart. And he said, basically, we bemoan the loss to engage with this company and basically have the opportunity to talk to them about more you know, right. labor friendly policies, which is a very diplomatic way of saying, hey, look, if they had come here, we would have gotten them to do what we wanted. Right. Like they could like the we politicians had, attacked them. They and, attacked and, them yeah. immediately. And yeah. you know, wait till they fucking put some investment. Wait till the spades in the ground. Wait till they've ex excavated everything. They've actually invested stuff and say, okay, well, look, this is how it works here in New York. Like you need to have union porters. You need to have union that. Like not yeah, 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 yeah. Like it was, it was, it was so strategically stupid. If you actually want to change the corporate culture of Amazon, the best place to do it is have them be in New York City. Now they're just going to be somewhere else, and they're not going to be accountable to anyone because they're going to this place where you know people can just roll out the red carpet for them, and they're not going to do anything different. Well, 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 point, well the, great point. But the other thing I was going to say is, I think what a lot of people. <coughs> You said wait till they get a spade in the ground and stuff, but once they're already here, you can't really stop the train once it's on the tracks, right? So I think if people were afraid, okay, he's gonna, they're gonna come in, it's gonna be all this development, and a lot of people right now because we're in a housing crisis and a lot of people aren't able to afford to live in New York City. I think the guarantees that the jobs, a portion of the jobs, weren't gonna be dedicated to people, which all things could have been changed. This was a proposal; it wasn't set in stone just yet. But the fact that there were certain things that were red flags already had a lot of people worried. It kind of reminds of, of the Bedford Union Armory. They told us one thing, changed the deal in the end behind everybody's back. And then everybody's like, wait a minute. You first told us that we were going to get this portion of it. Then when we get to the end, the deal that's set in stone doesn't even include us. Now, how are we going to fight back to get the part that we initially worked 
a year and a half for back in our corner. And I think a lot of people are like, if we let them come in and make all these investments and put it in stone, how do we ensure that we're included in the conversation? And a lot of people are scared. If you think about the way the economy is going in New York City, it's not made for poor people anymore right now. You know, and a lot of people, the, 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 that difference between the rich and the poor is becoming so evident and more and more evident that people are like, we need something for communities where the number one, the number one goal is to close that gap. And I think people didn't see it. You know, 50,000 jobs sounds great, but who are they going to people transplants like me? That doesn't make me feel good. I'm not even from New York. And I don't, I don't think that that, that made a lot of people feel good. They said 50,000 jobs, but give me the breakdown. What's the breakdown? How's it going? Who's it going to? Well, my feeling where I agree with Tom on this, the art of politics, right? Politics is the art of negotiation. Correct. Correct. And New York tends to like gang up Yes. and, you know, just corporate. It's like corporate greed. You came and say court, you know, I mean, de Blasio and others are like Google came here and we never had a problem with them. Right. Which is a decent argument. And they're not unionized. Well, what's yeah. the thing in Sunset? Target. They don't allow what's Walmart. What's the thing, what's the thing in Sunset Park? Isn't that Google? In, Industry City. Industry <laughs> City. Yeah. And, and the Armory has some pluses. They switched it. I admit they move. Developers tend to move the the, the goal line. Yes, right? correct. Yep. So, yeah, and, absolutely. But, but I agree with Tom. You had Amazon on the hook here. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you can be tough without turning somebody off. It's the art of negotiation. But I agree. I think that, it, it, like I said, it wasn't even set in stone. There were so many things that could have been they could have sat together. They could have talked. But again, we don't really know Amazon side because Amazon has been the least open to giving communicating. You know what I'm saying? Like they weren't putting out press releases every week saying, we're talking to this person. We're talking to this. They were doing maybe once every couple of months. So I think it's unfair to just categorize the politicians as attacking them, but Amazon should have been also more communicative, you know, like where, where were them? Like, why didn't they have people going out in the streets? Like, what do you think? What do you think? Kind of door knocking or putting out a press release at least every two weeks being like, we're trying, we're attempting to talk. We have this person. Exactly. Sweet, exactly. Yeah. There, it was. I've yet to see more than two press releases, other than their announcement mm-hmm. and the fact that they that they pulled out. Other than those two, I don't know any other press releases and, that and they put know, out. Not for nothing, but in the original announcement, Bezos should have been there. Like I did Atlantic Yards. If you do the Armory, they always got the big Kahuna at the announcement where everybody's shaking hands or the photo. I don't know why. I mean, he just I wants mean, to see him. First, I mean, I don't look, I'm trying not to defend Amazon's corporate right. practice because mm-hmm. I don't necessarily agree with any of that. But to address the previous comments you made about, you know, economic development and inequality with or without Amazon, Long Island City and Astoria are going to continue to be gentrified. And re- as we speak, there are projects, huge you know, luxury buildings being built all along that waterfront. Mm-hmm. It is an anomaly that American cities have had relatively inexpensive urban centers. It's no, in no other place in the world has that ever happened. So what's happening now, unfortunately, is a correction where the, the closer you are to the center of the city, the more expensive it's going to be. And no politician can change that. And none, and so in the next 10 years, New York City is going to be 
increasingly unaffordable. And yes, you can do things like, you know, increase rent stabilization and do programs for, you know, people are being removed home, you know, like the homelessness is on the rise, but <clears throat> it's no, like none of these politicians are going to be able to change what's happening in Long Island City and Astoria right now, or the South Bronx for that matter. Have you seen the South Bronx yeah, recently? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's crazy. All these deals being approved for mega towers. Yeah. Bronx is really coming yeah. up. Yeah, it is. So no, like, you know, obviously there, you know, it's not that people haven't, you know, resisted that, but this is this sort of like this, at least with this project, it would have created such an economic opportunity that you had two of the largest unions saying now that they're going to go after the, the Gennaris and Van Bramer in the next elections because they're so pissed off that you have the head of the NYCHA houses in, in the Queensbridge projects saying that they're <coughs> never going to deal with Gennaris again because he cut them out of any negotiations and never listened to them because they were in support of the project. So you I, I, look, I mean, Obviously, there are many ways in which things can go wrong, but the economic benefit of bringing 25,000, and those are just the tech jobs. Think about all the other jobs that, that would surround this campus. I mean, that's where people are like, oh my God, this is great. Like how many more UPS drivers are going to be hired? How many more restaurants are going to go up? How many more dry cleaners? How many more like in, in industry supporting businesses will thrive? How many more tech companies will move to Queens and Brooklyn because they want to do business with Amazon. I agree. I, 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 I agree with all that, but just so just so everybody knows, this doesn't mean that Amazon can't come out, can't come back. You know, it's not like Amazon's like, oh, we pulled out and we hate all of you and we're never coming back. We have no idea. In the end, just like the governor said, the L needs to be fixed. In the end, it's not even getting shut down. You know, we don't know if all these people saying we want Amazon, we want Amazon, could turn the tide and Amazon say, okay, let's broker a new deal, but these are the terms we have and these are the things that we're willing to meet and these are the th things that we're willing to compromise and these are the things that we can't compromise on. We have no idea. Like I said, a lot of these city council seats are up for re-election next year. So we have no idea if next year, and not even next year, because most people announced the year ahead, of, a year before, by the end of the year, we don't know if Amazon could be supporting a grassroots candidate, for all we know, that could have potentially bring Amazon back to Long Island City. The potential is there. Uh, I don't I, think I mean, so. the horse left the barn. You yeah. think? Yeah. Because I think mm -hmm. <clears throat> the reason they pulled out so early is because they they realized this. They realized what, what Figueroa said, which is... Okay, we're putting ourselves into this situation where we are going to have to be accountable to local leaders and community, which is ironic because that's what you want. Like, that's what you want Amazon to be. You right. want them to be accountable. They're not the biggest horse in this in in this stable. Whatever. They're they're in New York City, and they have to comply, mm -hmm. and they have to be a part of the culture. They can't just push. They couldn't be able to push people around in Seattle. And yeah, you may call them <coughs> assholes and, and whatever for, for not wanting to be a part of that, but there was a missed opportunity to actually bring them to a place and, and make them be more, more I agree responsible. With you, and I also agree that they weren't listening to the unions. They weren't listening to a lot of the folks in the ground. It, you know, it yeah. reminds me of Atlantic Yards and we just, you know, Atlantic Yards was like some gentrifiers and they were representing everybody. And it was like, well, wait a minute, you know, there's basketball fans, there's jobs here, there's this, there's that, you know? Right. 
And it, it, it shows in the power of New York City and government how a few can kind of have oversized influence. And yeah, and they were not representing the interests of their constituents. When Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez first, you know, pushed back against this, she was like, well, I'm just representing what my what my people want. But then these polls came out and said that, you know, in communities of color, like the the uh, approval rating for Amazon was like 70 and 80 percent that these people wanted the project because they knew exactly what it was what it was going to do. And they, you know, and they understand, I mean, everyone understands what's going to happen, but they also see the writing on the wall, no matter what they see what's going on. They see the gentrification's happening. Like that's not changing. And it, ha and, and that sucks. And you need to, the government needs to create programs, you know, rent stabilization programs and build affordable housing, but you can't, I don't know. I mean, so speaking of Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Ocasio-Cortez, I mean, we could talk all day about Amazon pulling out because it's such a it was such a massive deal for the city. Moving on to the Green New Deal announced last week, actually, it's an economic and uh, environmental uh, political agenda led by uh, Senator or Representative Ed Markey from Massachusetts and Representative uh, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. Um, what do we think about it? Do we think that it's something that we can do? Do you think that it's uh, just something that they're presenting right now? Do you think politicians are gonna are gonna back them on both sides? What What do we think? I think it's like pie in the sky. The Green New Deal they encompass everything: right to life, to this, to that. I mean, well, not the well, right but to the, life. The, <laughs> the, the 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 idea behind it is environmental issues, but they did tack on a whole bunch of other bills behind it. It's not just environmental issues. Tom, anything, Nan? Yeah, well, you know, coming from the Amazon deal and going to this and looking at these as sort of these ideas of the new left, I have a problem with it. And it's not to say if you took if you and I have the I have the uh, Green New Deal right here. It's only 14 pages. It is only, only 14. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, as a resolution, I mean, what, the, how long was the uh, right. Affordable Care Act, right? right so yeah. um, if you took any paragraph in the Green New Deal mm -hmm. and you read it in terms of the declaration of what they wanted, I would generally agree with it. I think most people on the left, at least, would generally agree with it, right? Mm -hmm. Fair housing, clean water, affordable, well, the clean energy, yeah. right? Clean air. Great. That's all wonderful. Non-renewable resources. Right? Yeah. Like by <coughs> in 10 years, our mm. entire economy is going to be- Yeah. Plastic free. Know, uh, uh, net zero emissions. That's great. I think as a document, I think there are some issues in terms of lumping them all together. Uh, because if we are and we are facing a climate catastrophe- and we need to move as fast as possible. Why would you link that mobilization, as they call it, to a political ideology that you know is not representative of the entire country? Like literally, like if if we are going to succeed in keeping carbon in the ground, in actually like having real governmental change in terms of promoting, you know, uh, the abandonment of fossil fuels and the movement to a, you know, a, a full-fledged, like full-force movement to a green economy, you know immediately that people are going to object to 
Well, like the idea that, that everyone is guaranteed a job, which is a very progressive idea, right? Yeah. which has its, you know, merits, merits and, and, and detractions, right. right. In, in terms of its feasibility, which I, I and, and again, I tend to agree with all that stuff, but what's the point? What's the point of putting this out? Is it, is it actually meant to, to create off. action or is it meant to be an alarming cry about what, who we are and what our ideology is, which I think is more of the latter. And yeah. I think it doesn't help actually, if you believe that we are facing a climate crisis that you're going to tie, it's like, you know, how the Republicans, um, you know, the, the term of the shock doctrine, right? We're like, oh, we're under attack. So we're going to pass the Patriot Act and all these other pieces of legislation that we've wanted to pass for a long time knowing that the public is going to go along with it because, you know, we're in this war on right, terror, right. right? This is the opposite of that. It's like, oh my God, we have this climate catastrophe. So now we're going to like, you know, build a house for every homeless person. You're like, well, okay. That just has nothing to do with the climate. And actually homeless people are the most carbon neutral people <laughs> that we have. Like, yep. like, Putting home, homeless people in houses is actually bad for the environment. They're pretty, they're pretty yeah, they gonna, good. Yeah, they do. I mean, that's obviously not what I would, you know. So I, think it, I think it's the, the same thing Tom said. I think that they just did it to kind of calm people down because climate, everybody knows where it, climate, the climate right now is really bad. We're headed towards a very serious climate issue within the next 50 years. Um, and I think they just introduced it to kind of calm those things down because there's so many other things going on that are more pressing. Also, everybody knows that Democrats have a have a have a they always want to put everything in plus the kitchen sink when they have this huge package of legislation. And you're just like, what are you guys? It's yeah. called the Green New Deal, but there's like so many other <laughs> things involved. It's just like, well, what? What? Why don't you just split it up? And do other things, but you know, right. Democrats always have this tendency. But we forgot about this person, and we forgot about this. Person, but we for and you're right, we forgot about the chimps over there, and we forgot about the short people over there. And it's just like, uh, are you trying to pass legislation or look good? What are we doing here? Absolutely. You know. So it's just like I agree with Tom. It let's just parse it down to what actually is environmental issues and what is economic and socioeconomic issues that we can put into different legislation because green new deal to me tells me it's the environment but then when i see about affordable housing and jobs and i'm well, like what are you what's going on i mean i think i think it, it is a new i mean it is a new deal that references obviously F, fdr and it actually i think it really if you look at some of the language in here references so he had the second fireside chat in 1944 that a lot of people talk about in terms of fdr talking about continuing his agenda, his populist or populist progressive agenda. And he talks about the right to health care. And he, these are the, the, I'm going to read some of the uh, rights that FDR talked about as, you know, at the end of his oh. presidency. So the right to a useful and remunerative <coughs> job, the right to earn enough to provide adequate food and clothing and recreation, the right of every farmer to raise and sell his products at a return, which will give him and his family a decent living. Um, the right of every businessman, large and small, to trade in an atmosphere of freedom from unfair competition and domination by monopolies at home or abroad. These are literally in the Green New Deal. So this is, I think, a blueprint for the Green New Deal oh, in terms of saying, hey, this is where we, this is where we left off. This is where we need to start. And that is great. 
that's I, I applaud all those measures. But I think you're like, I also agree that the most pressing thing is the climate catastrophe. Like the, the, it doesn't address, for example, I, I don't see how we get to net carbon, uh, z- net, you know, whatever. Carbon Zero emissions, carbon yep. emissions without penalizing people for emissions. Like, and that's a very, you know, it's like somewhat popular, extremely unpopular on the right, obviously. But you need independence to get to that point to say, hey, if you're polluting, you have to pay for this because we've understood the cost to the society in the, in the Green New Deal. They mentioned that, you know, there's going to be $500 trillion of, of damage to the United States if we don't do anything about this. And that's true. We've identified these costs and that needs to be, you know, that needs, that needs to be put into some sort of uh, action in terms of, you know, if you're going to pollute, you have to pay for it. I mean, it's the carbon tax. Right. I don't see how you get to that without incentivizing people to stop burning fossil fuels, mm-hmm. for example. Um, but, you know, so basically you're. Well, the one thing that I just want to add in that when FDR did that, right, the context was we were coming out of the Great Depression. Correct. So, I mean, people were literally in bread lines and the left tries to make like people are in bread lines and actually. The economy's doing pretty good. A lot of people are working. And it I get where it's like the Green New Deal, but the context of FDR's New Deal, when Social Security and, and all these social programs were enacted, and they had uh they actually had jobs programs. Yeah, yeah. they had to. Yeah. They, they had to because people were in breadline. Exactly. Now do we really need a jobs program? Well, it's talking about rebuilding the middle class and which creating livable wage jobs, which is definitely an issue as income inequality continues to rise. And so I think there are structural changes that people are looking at to say, hey, why do we, we're turning into a oligarchy here? You know, what can we do? I personally think that raising the personal income tax is a great idea, uh, you know, not, you know, like to say, hey, to give to disincentivize people to just build wealth for their entire life, you know, like, I don't think you have to, the problem I have is that like, basically the argument is we, we don't, we can't use incremental steps. We have to completely revolutionize everything. And I agree with that in terms of climate. I don't agree with that in terms of society, because you have to convince people that the society is more equitable and just when people are, you know, are, 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 there's a larger middle class and there's a larger opportunity for everyone. But that's a, that's a that's a nuanced and long term argument that you have to make, and that something the time that we don't have with the climate, and right. they're trying to put this in, and right? Say, Lump it together. Yeah, and they're trying to link these two things. Like there was an article in the Times that's saying, well, you know, the environment and jobs are always linked because you know, like no. industrial agriculture and oil and all this stuff, and you know, the government you know promote you know, give subsidies for all these people, and that's true, but. If you're talking about catastrophe and talking about the need to, to act right now, which is true, you need to build a broad coalition of not just the far left, but everyone involved to say, hey, look, there are reasonable things we can do in terms of incentivizing our economy to get rid of fossil fuels and make it a priority that probably 55 to 60 percent of the population will agree with, mm-hmm. but will not necessarily stomach these ideas and what do you think Kel? i was gonna say that um uh, oh, i lost my train yeah. of thought but i was gonna say that it's kind of ironic that uh orcasio cortez is the one that introduced it because talk about somebody who just does grandstanding and no action still has no constituent services 
it's at the forefront of these uh, media junkets, basically, but it has no actual, isn't doing very much. Yeah, she still hasn't opened up. Exactly. So, exactly. So it's kind of like the perfect person to be there. I just think that the climate right now is going to say is uh, climate change and all the issues that we're facing as an environment is a non-bipartisan, you know, it's like, Everybody should be worried. We're all going to get affected, whether you agree with it or not. Well, I think people in Chicago should be happy because if it floods here, Chicago will be the new New York. <laughs> so you're saying millions of I people mean, are going to die Chicago. and Chicago's no, going to be yeah, the center of the they'll, country. They'll move, they'll you're move. welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> and where it'll be minus 30 degrees because of the polar vortex. And, <laughs> and, and I mean, people are already dying over there. So that, that was really sad. But yes, I think that... The climate issues are so important right now that forget about everything else. Just start making easy steps that people can, I mean. You know what, you don't, but you don't even have to forget about everything else. You can actually make resolutions to work on that. For example, at a, at a local level, like, you know, be fucking strategic. Don't put out a document that Mitch McConnell's like, yeah, this is great. We're going to vote on this to show all these, like, you know these middle of the road people, how crazy the left is. Yeah. That's exactly what you don't want to do just because, well, uh, yes, we're the new, you know, like we're the new force. And, and like, it's, it's one of the problems with American politics. too. What is that? That, that everybody's grandstanding and yes, you know, yes, but not doing and it. Right. And, that's, that's I think it's a part of the the whole thing about being progressive is, in, is inclusivity. You know, right now it's all about being inclusive. You got to include every group or you're not you're not being progressive. And I think that's I mean, Ocasio-Cortez socialism. Of course, she's going to include all these things in there. That's her. That is the basis of the people that voted for her. It's like you've got to include me. Everything has to be about equality. And that's valid. Like, you know, they mentioned systemic racial injustice. That's valid. It's not invalid, right? Yeah. It's true. <coughs> but why? Like, why put it in this? Yeah. Why not? It has, like, it, because it's a progressive idea that about inclusivity. You've got to include, include every single person. Yeah. Yeah, Everything true. has China to be included. along with our whole thing about inclusivity. Exactly. It's She's like, a socialist. Yeah, Socialism so is everybody. Deal. We're going to include everything. Because, yeah, I agree with that. You know? It's actually. That's, it. That's the basis of the people that voted for her. That's what they want. You know, when every time she said her thing was we're grassroots, anybody can vote for me. Anybody can be like me. And I'm I'm a bartender. I'm just like you. You can walk up to me whenever you want. We can do all these things together. If you notice anything that she introduces, it's always for women, for men, for colored people, for minorities, for this. And it's just like, oh, uh, OK. Yeah. You know, but it's just like it, it's uh, that is. The new progressive, that's what it is. You know, that's why we're in this political correctness. You can't talk to, you can't talk I, about anybody in this specific sense because we're all the same. I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with strategy of, of, of what you talked about before, about actually doing something rather than saying, you know, just promoting <coughs> ideology. And the Amazon deal is the perfect example, right? Like, be strategic. Get what you can for your constituents. Don't hate on Amazon because they're a corporate giant who like, you don't like, you don't like that Amazon has power. I get that, but they have power and they still will have power whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. You know, I, they don't like it that they're getting subsidies. Well, every corporation gets subsidies. You don't like the way that that, that works. Well, okay. I agree. But that's the way the world works. And so you have, to, and so are you going to fight for your people or not? They all want this deal to go through. No, because I, I rather hate and rather, you know, put, 
like rather promote my agenda than actually get shit done. You I know? agree. And so I'm worried that this is the same thing that, and even like when you have Nancy Pelosi, who's poo pooing it, like Nancy Pelosi used to be the, you know, the, the left, like right. she was like the boogeyman for the yes. left. And now she's the one going, this is not really real. Exactly. Yeah. Now we, th- we think of Nancy Pelosi as not even being. She's become left. a centrist. Exactly. We think of her as a moderate now. But you know what? She might wind up being the best speaker of the house since Tip O'Neill. I think she's done a great job. You know, especially now. You know, it's interesting, even with the government spending thing, and this is nobody likes to hear good about Trump, but he's <laughs> he's actually made it where there's a lot more bipartisanship in Congress now. Against him. Yeah, <laughs> but if you look at it, the last yes, couple they, administrations. Yes, they're like, let's just, he's yeah, crazy. Yeah, the last couple administrations, they couldn't get anything done, yes. you know? Yeah, well, now more and more, they're having to work together. But I was going to say one thing about Nancy Pelosi, and we're thinking of her as moderate. Now that Ocasio-Cortez is there, we're like, well, this woman's crazy. Maybe Pelosi isn't as, as de- like, to the left as we thought, you know? Because she's constantly the one calming Ocasio-Cortez down, be like, this is not how this works. This is how you do this. I don't think she's, like, I, my problem is, like, I don't disagree with any of this. I disagree with the method. Right. I, that what, what I meant crazy is the way she goes about things is right, very, like, like very millennial. yes, it's very, like, let's go all the way. Yeah. Like, let's do this, you know? And it's just, like, okay, well, that's not how that gets done. You can't just be so extreme about it, you know? There are certain things that you have to go about it. Anyway, we're going to move forward okay. and talk about this week, East New York Pilot Basement Program. They're going to start the program. The bill was passed. Now, basement apartments will be legal in New York City. Even as a pilot program in East New York. York, Yes, correct. And all of us who's ever lived in New York City knows know that basement apartments have been around forever. People have lived in basements forever. This podcast takes place in a basement apartment. My, (laughs) you know, the the Never Sink Media Empire started in a basement basement apartment. But yeah, you know, I mean. I think that it, it's nice that they're legalizing it. I'm just worried that once they legalize it, it's going to cost people more. The rents are going to go up. I mean, the good thing about basement apartments, because they're illegal, you got to it cheap. You know, you don't have a fine. I was also going to say, I never thought about this, but saying that it's, you know, a lot of immigrants, when they come to the United States, a lot of them end up living in basement apartments because they're much cheaper. They're not legal. They don't have to worry about doing all these things. So that's going to, I wonder what's going to happen for them. There's a really weird aside. I'm not going to say who it was, but there's a city council person. And I met this person at their office, right? Mm -hmm. And I was early. And I'm (laughs) like, stay, it was a Saturday and the gates were down. And all of a sudden, the cellar thing opens up. The cellar door, the cellar from the street, you know, the metal grating. This woman walks out like this Hispanic woman on the way (laughs) to wherever. And then two minutes later, her son comes out and he's like on the way to basketball practice, you know. And then two minutes later, it's like her husband comes out. I'm thinking these people live in the cellar, you know. And it's like, oh, they're on their way to work. This is their front door, the the little metal, you know. So, I mean, there's some safety hazards. I mean, obviously, that's why they did it, because there is safety hazards. I mean, and the history of basement apartments is, you know, people want to make money on the side and people it's dangerous because you're underneath. There's only one way out. And if anything happens at the top of the building, the last people are the bottom people to get. You know, those are the people that you get most worried about. It's interesting that you mention all that because it's now there. Now people will walk into a basement apartment violations 
it'll be like the nails out of place, that's out right, of place. Right. Oh, they're going to start throwing all these violations at yeah, people that are just like Department of Buildings, FTNY, Rafael Espinosa, Inez Barron, Brad Lander, progressives. Yeah. Huh. Because I think it's a huge cash grab for the real estate industry. You've just increased the amount of legal apartments yes. that right. is beneficial for anyone who owns a building, right? Yes. So you have a two-family apartment and you got a basement apartment. Now you got a three-family apartment. And right? that's right. three-family building. Now that just raises your building 20%. Your property tax. I was going to say. Or rent, you know, people can <laughs> rent out apartments. Now brokers can now rent out basement apartments. Yep. That's good for brokers. And just to, just for this one specifically, at the moment, it's only eligible for one and two or one and two dwelling homes. So if you have a, if your building's already at three, you can't, you're not eligible for this program. Also, it's only in East New York, but it's a huge thing for developers because people are not just that. I feel like people are going to split their basement in half now, give people less because they're like, wait, now my whole floor is worth something. Now I can really like make something out of this. It's funny you say developers because the whole aim behind it is for affordable living for people who are struggling. <laughs> well, I, I said property. Property yeah. owners, property yeah, owners, but and no, and real estate brokers because they can. You right, just, right. You just added like you know, forty thousand new units to. Yeah, that's a, well. The whole point is to keep the city affordable, and you know, people nowadays struggle to pay their building. Uh, all these people, property owners, uh, struggle to pay their monthly mortgage or whatever. I'm not sure well, for their building, and that adds some more money. Stuff. Like in Bay Ridge and Bensonhurst, Chinatown. Chinatown. Well, that's because they're putting ten people to one roof. Right. So this is kind of to curb that, but I don't know whether this is going to curb that. I don't think that's going to. I I think that's a totally separate issue. All right. Because just just because you make something of of the way you build your home legal doesn't mean that you can't put more people in there. You know, right. I think the other issue with that is how many people they put in there. You know, they right. split it up because they want as many bodies in there. Yeah, they make it a single. Exactly. Exactly. Right. It's not really a thing about, oh, whether the building's legal or not. It's like, how many people can I stuff into one floor and make as much money as possible? I so. think they should make more SROs. I, I've always liked SROs. Yeah. I never had a problem with it. You know, there used to be SROs all over the city. Right. Really? Know? Yeah. Matter of fact, when I first came, boarding here, houses. Yeah. 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 Rooming houses. You can rooming make them houses. nice. I mean, that's what the like. What? It's weird. Like WeWork is doing that shit. Like the right. high end. There's, there's basically high end boarding houses for for you know, millennial <laughs> like tech workers. Right. Why not do it for everyone? I mean, you know, it's basically what people, young people, do anyway. They get an apartment, they split it up. They're three or four people. You know, right. rent rent a room. I mean, you could do that for an entire building. You would drastically reduce costs. When I first came to the but city, the danger there. I, there was a, a room in house on 20th Street, Chelsea. It was a really nice neighborhood, right? And I was sixty dollars a month. It was mm-hmm. a, I had a room, wow, a plate, and a bathroom down the hall, and it was fine. And you know, there was the usual muckety muck. But for someone like me, that's a writer. You loved, you know, next door was a prize fighter from Cuba. The person across the hall was some transgender person. You know, it just, no, because usually. I can see the short story writing itself. <laughs> well, right. Yeah, what, what is it, James Joyce? That's, a, that's the perfect Dubliners. story. Steve was probably like, oh, this is the perfect place well, to Well, what, what was James Joyce, the Dubliners, which in my opinion is Joyce's, it's my favorite work. It's very accessible. It's very easy to read. Mm-hmm. Is all about a rooming house in Dublin, isn't it? No. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm sorry. I don't read James Joyce. I don't think so. I think it's a series of short stories. Like, I mean, the only story I remember is The Dead, which is about like a couple. Like, I, I don't think. I remember reading one or two about him in a room in house. Maybe. 
Well, I'm, and I think Finnegan's Wake was written in a psychiatric ward. I think. Oh. No, <laughs> I think there's also some romanticism to rooming houses because of what you just said. Yeah. Oh, there might be this person down yeah, there, and there like might be this. Or, exactly. When I moved there. I felt like you know, it's funny though. My family said, "It's where you live." This is awesome. Look at this. Look at this material. Just a panhandler. <laughs> I remember this this guy, this Cuban fighter, was 20th Street near Madison Square Garden. He trained at Gleason's, wasn't in Dumbo then. It was next to Madison Square Garden. And he won a couple fights, and he was right next door. He had a big fight in Atlantic City coming up. And all of a sudden, before the fight for like six weeks, there was girls there and rum. And every day he'd come home, the room was filled with like 20 people. It was a little rooming house, right? And it Steve room. was like, oh, he got room no, for one more. No, I, w I told the guy, he barely spoke English. I'm like, dude, you got to fight. Kick them out. You got to focus on this fight. You got to save your chi. <laughs> no, really. I'm like, this is not good for training. And I was telling him. And then he came home, beat the shit up. He had, he was face, his nose was busted open. He had stitches in his eyebrows. He got like not cold in three rounds. You know? <laughs> Hey, he lasted three rounds. That's more than I can say for a lot of people. Yeah, no, I, I admired the guy. I thought it was great. But it's like, why do you party like that if you got a big fight? Because he he does what he wants, essence, Steve. Like he the do, Brazilian soccer He team. does what he wants. All right. Well, that is the end of this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed <laughs> all of our arguments. Uh Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Uncorrect NY, Facebook Uncorrect New York. Um, and we'll be back next week. Um, stay tuned. Thank you very much, Kelly.